Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'm happy to have with me now author Nina Fauché. She's written a touching, impactful book that's out in stores now. It's titled The Real Story of My Parents' Divorce. Nina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, what you've written here is, is really personal, and there's, I think, a great perspective. Can you tell us what it's about? I actually wrote the book with my daughter, who's now 24, but we wrote it when she was six years old. Hmm. It's about my ex-husband and I going through the divorce and my daughter's perspective of it. So what inspired you to write this book and then have it published at this point in time? I am a social worker and a therapist. And when my ex-husband and I divorced, I thought it was so important. My daughter was six. She was very bright. She asked a million questions. She actually wasn't even quite six yet. And I brought her to the local library and all the bookstores to try to find books from a child's perspective about divorce. And there was really nothing out there. So I said to her, you know what, let's, let's write a book together. Let's write about how you feel and we'll just do it for us. And you can draw the pictures in the book. And we spent a couple months and wrote the book. And when she was done, she brought it into her first grade teacher who sent me a note home saying, I've been a teacher for 35 years and this book would have helped so many families throughout the years. I hope that you get it published. Wow. You know, we were really excited about it. It was a crazy time in my life. I had the two little kids. I was a single parent. I also had a three-year-old daughter at the time. So I didn't do anything about the book. And about a year ago, I was cleaning out a file cabinet and found it and found the note from my daughter's teacher. And I decided now I called my daughter and said, are you okay with me trying to publish this? And she said, absolutely. And so that was the start of it. That's wonderful. Did you have a reading audience in mind when you wrote this? Really, when we wrote it, I had no intentions of publishing it. When we wrote it, I, it was just for my daughter. It was just mm. to help her cope with the divorce. Since then, yes, I think it would be great for families with young kids going through a divorce. I think it would be a great book to have in therapist's office, for divorce lawyers, in schools. Any family that is going through a divorce with young kids, I think the book could really be helpful. Have you been published before? No, I have not. Congratulations on getting your first book out there. How's it feel now to have a published book out? Thank you. It's very exciting. It really is very <laughs> exciting. And I'm sorry, my dogs, of course, are barking in the background. They're excited, They're ex too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. It's really great. Oh, that's wonderful. So... You went through that whole experience for the first time, not only writing the book, but then going through the publishing process. It's all a lot of hard work all along the way. Do you have any advice now for that author that wants to do the same thing? I would say exactly what you just said, that you have to be ready to do the hard work, to put a ton of time into getting even, even a children's book that may not have 
as many words as a novel, that if you have the idea in your head of how you want it to be, it's worth the time and the effort, but it's a huge commitment. I think it's incredibly worth it to get how you feel, how you see your story out for the rest of the world to see is a tremendous feeling of accomplishment. It's called The Real Story of My Parents' Divorce by Nina Fauché. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can get it everywhere on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Anina, thanks again for stopping by the show. I had a really nice time talking. Thank you so much. I had a great time as well. I'd like to welcome H.L. Serkey to the Reader House Author Roundtable. H.L., thank you for being here with me tonight. You're welcome. You have a new novel out in stores now. It's titled Six Months in Shore, Virginia. Can you tell me what it's about? Well, it's basically about this middle-aged retired man who's been divorced, and he moves to this small little beach town off the Chesapeake Bay with about maybe 4,000 people in it. And it's about how his life changed over, over the next six months after he moved there. Now, the story involves romance, and it involves some secrets. So can you tell me about those themes? Well, I can tell you that he meets a, a lady, and, and they fall in love, and then things happen to the end of it. I'm not sure if I should tell you. People might want to read it to find out what it's about at the end. Yeah, don't spoil it, definitely. <laughs> That's basically what's the matter. He falls in love with this lady that he meets, one of the locals. The book's about what they go through and other things that he does and places they go and visit. It's just a, it's a nice little read. It's not very complicated. It's not overly uh, characters in it. It's just a nice read. Yeah, sounds like fun. How did you come up with the idea for it? I like to go to the beach. Mm. And I'm just sitting there one day. I'm, re you know, I'm retired, too, so I was sitting at the beach one day, and I'm just sitting there just writing down notes and stuff like that. And I actually had the uh, finish of it, I mean, the, the end of it, before I even got the first chapter wrote. Mm. So I just made notes around along the way about stuff and just put it all together. It took me a while to do it, probably about two years to finish it. Is this the first time you've written? Yes. The first time I've completed anything, let's put it that way. Wow, congratulations. It must be, a, <laughs> it's such a huge accomplishment because it's so much hard work. Uh, how does it feel now being officially a published author? It feels great. Mm. It feels great to accomplish it. I actually, want to know the truth, I actually started to almost to stop writing it in certain times because it's, Sometimes it's hard to to keep the story going, but then, you you know, there are days you have trouble writing a sentence, and other days you can write whole chapters, you know, so that kind of stuff. Feels good. Feels good to have it accomplished, that's for sure. Oh, that's great. Now, when you hit those times where you were having trouble coming up with ideas, didn't know where to go next, the words just weren't coming out, did you have something, a strategy, that you could maybe get the inspiration flowing again? Yeah. I was always writing little paragraphs here and there and on places that I have been in the eastern shore of Virginia, which is a lot of stuff down there to do and see. And I would just kind of mix that in with my stories as I went along, and that's why I, I just kept it going. I just put those little paragraphs in there and added to it, and, and it kept going through my head, and it came out pretty good at the end, I think. I, I mean, I like the book a lot, not just because I wrote it, but I just think it's a good read. It's only 210 pages, and it's probably something you could read in a couple of days if you really sit down and read it. Sounds like a great book to read on the beach. Yes, it is. <laughs> I wish it would have came out in the spring, but that's not the way it happened. Well, are you looking ahead from here, maybe writing a sort of a follow-up, maybe another book? I have ideas. I'm doing the same thing right now, making notes. Mm. I'm making little notes. I'm making, I've got quite a bit of notes written down on something. Totally, It's totally a different type of story, but... 
Yeah, I've probably got maybe ten thousand words written now, and you know, it, I'm, I'm, that's like that's a long ways from fifty, sixty, seventy thousand words. So I'm still working on it. Again, the title of the book is Six Months in Shore, Virginia" by H. L. Serkey. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Google Play, everywhere you shop for books. H. L. Thanks again for coming on the show tonight. I had a really nice time chatting. You're welcome, and stay safe. Right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm joined by author A.J. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you so much for inviting me to be with you. Absolutely. Your new murder mystery novel is out now. It's called Murder in the Snows. Can you tell me what this is about? What's the plot? Uh, It takes place back in 1947, even before the Mackinac Bridge was put across the streets. The area is a remote part of the eastern upper peninsula of Michigan, and our sheriff is George Kaufman, who is a Christian man and a good, kind-hearted person. He receives a phone call that his best friend was found face up in the ice. Aside from his feelings for two-shoes, he needs to find the one who killed his Native American friend. The search seems to be a roller coaster of clues and dead ends. Until the end, he discovers shocking evidence that leads the reader to a surprise ending. How did you get the idea for this story? I believe that God gives me all kinds of messages, and that's exactly what came into my mind waking up in the middle of the night, was a man who was obviously Native American floating face first in ice, and I built from there. So how long were you working on Murder in the Snows? Approximately two years. I started when I decided that I should go to college and really find out what writing is all about. I had published, self-published two books prior to that. (laughs) They were good. Many people liked them, but they were full of typos. There was not a really good flow. You had to look for the story because it was obvious novice work. And I am in my senior years, I decided to go back to college. And that was what I did. And that college was complete the two-year course to get my BS degree writing this book. My professor was very pleased with it. She also is an author. Wow, congratulations on getting your first novel out there through a publisher. What was the biggest difference between self-publishing and then partnering with a publisher? They seem to take all the question marks away from me. What is this? How should I? Covenant Publishing is a very wonderful publishing company that is personable. They are people who work with you one phase at a time, first by editing or asking what we thought I think about it, and then the cover, the introduction about the author, all the many things that pull this book together. And I'm so impressed with what they've done for me. So do you have plans from here? Are you maybe going to write another book? Definitely. The second book, following Murder in the Snows, is called Revelations at the Snow. It is about a man who has moved to this area and is a serial killer. Still, during the time when there was no DNA, etc., So George has a lot of trouble finding this man, but when he does, he finalizes that. And about 20 years later, the the third book is called Marquette Island, View from the Snows. Marquette Island, a dead body is found. So once again, George is looking and several robberies, and he believes they correlate. So he's 
searching for all of this. And when he gets through, he's contemplating, I've been at this for 30 years. I'm ready to retire. But does he? Well, we're looking forward to the rest of the trilogy. The first book is called Murder in the Snows by A.J., published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere you shop for books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, A.J., thank you again for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Thank you very much. Archangel Michael Breathes, the new book by Al Pfeiffer, has been described as a brilliant source of wisdom, knowledge, and inspiration for the spirit. I'm happy to be chatting with the author right now. Al, thank you for joining me here tonight. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Well, congratulations on your new book, Archangel Michael Breathes. Can you tell us what it's about? You know, it's really about having a personal relationship with God. It goes through the stages of life from conception through birth. And I really analyze and go through being an adolescent with God and growing and maturing throughout time, just really learning what God is about. Not only that, but it's really to deliver a message to the people, including myself, that God's kingdom is here. It truly is here. And it's really important, the things that I learned, I was trying to relay a message to maybe help everyone out, you know, the things that helped me on my journey and the things that I had to overcome. And, you know, it's very inspirational book. And it's through years and years of, of just sacrificing my life, walking with God and really finding out what was true and what really is good. In our culture, I think we want quick fixes. We want that secret right now that will poof, fix things. And you've said about the book, you know, there is no secret formula. There is no magic potion to manifest your greatest wishes. Can you go into that a little bit? Exactly. You know, the two things that impacted my life the greatest was speaking truth. (laughs) When I started out years of my journey, I even had to backtrack myself. I realized how many times, how difficult it was. And anyway, (laughs) speaking truth in all things. And I realized the more I spoke truth, the more things would come to be. As I said, speak truth and, you know, in all things and your greatest wishes will come true. But it wasn't just that that impacted my life. It was speaking good into the truth to make the truth beautiful. It had just the same amount of impact on my life. So I started creating the things of God, the things that were good. And I really had to let go of a lot of other things and focus on what really is important. And you're right. It's not an overnight fix. It really isn't. I I commend anyone, you know, for walking with the Lord. It is years and years of discipline, kind of really getting to know yourself and really finding out truly what God is about and how good and loving God really is. I was like one of those kids that if a parent tells a child, don't put your hand on that stove, it'll burn you. Well, I was one of those kids that would put my hand on that stove. (laughs) I had to find out the hard way. (laughs) Like a lot of us, yeah. (laughs) That God really is family, and and family is God, and that's really the essence on on what my book focuses on. Hmm. I ask everyone to, you know, don't do it the hard way. Just trust what you believe. Yeah, that's so important. Have you written a book before? Have you been published before this? No, uh, you know, this was my first one. My wife really inspired me to write it, mm. and my three children. When I speak, it's a little different than when I write. You know, when I write, I'm able to connect to people's hearts. When I speak, only through the years of discipline, 
I only speak good words. For instance, and the opposite of truth is honesty instead of L dot dot dot, right? Well, I can't even speak that because I'm here to create a most beautiful world I can, you know, for myself to truly see God's face, what God is about. When I write, I'm able to connect and write things silently, really connect to people's hearts to, to truly, you know, make that connection. I was really excited to write it. It wasn't just for for myself, it was for my family, so they could truly understand me instead of trying to speak to them always, <laughs> you know, in a beautiful light. It's kind of easier to write it down sometimes. Well, I can tell you're inspired, and I think this book truly does have a lot of wisdom to offer. Again, it's called Archangel Michael Breathes by Al Pfeiffer. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it everywhere at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Al, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time finding out about your book and, and meeting you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Really has. Thank you. An Arabian stallion and a chicken are friends. In the new book by Kathy Berry, titled Ransom of the Golden Egg. Kathy is talking with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Kathy, thank you for joining me tonight. Well, thank you for having me, Corey. It's quite a privilege, and I'm enjoying letting people know that this book just has been out one week, and wow. we're very excited. Well, we're excited about it, too. Can you tell me what it's all about? Well, it is about that chicken and a horse, but it, what I did is the horse actually fell in love with this chicken in my backyard. Mm. I heard this squawking one day, and I looked out the window in the kitchen, and there he was pushing this chicken out of the boards in the fence, and the chicken just squawking away. And all of a sudden, I couldn't let go of it, and all of a sudden, a story started to happen. So there we go. It's a chicken and a horse that saves a golden egg, and it lights and heats the feathered castle. And there's a wily wolf and clever coyote that's going to steal the show. They're going to tiptoe in and scamper and flee with that egg and they want a handsome ransom from the king. So they'll live in suspense as the chicken and horse brave a blinding blizzard and the battle and dastardly duo hide in a cave. One of the things I do in all my writing is to celebrate inclusion in all things and all people and all animals. So I say celebrate as differences make no difference. In that horse and chicken find love, a wolf and coyote bond as buddies while Stinky Skunk finds value and purpose in the king of the regal rooster, King Puckacluck. So Ransom of the Golden Egg will whisk your imagination into that magical whispered tale. Sounds like quite a fun book to read. I was admiring the illustrations. Can you tell me about those? Well, yes, I was so fortunate to find an illustrator 24 years old, Piper Blue McGonagall. And she had just graduated college in art and in communication and, and literature. And she had just lost her job due to the COVID crisis. Her grandmother gave her the script and she called me right back and she said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And we just, I didn't, she had never dr even drawn a horse. So wow. off we went and did sketches and everything over the telephone. And she did an amazing job. Certainly found some great talent there. Congratulations on that. Have you written books before? What's your writing background? My first book was The Stress Strategist. I was in the National Speakers Association, and I was one of like 12 speakers that wrote a chapter about stress and how to get through it. And my next book was So You Want to Be Counted, and Every Person's Guide to Numerical Sanity. And I am a professional numerologist and the first one ever asked into the National Speakers Association. 
So I was very fortunate on my first books and Cavett Robert, the founder of the association, wrote me many hand-penciled notes as I wrote. Now, what was it like writing a children's book this time around? It's a little bit different than you've done before. Very different. And when I contacted the publishing house here, I told them, I said, this is a new genre for me. And I'm really excited to see, you know, what we can do with it or whether it could even be accepted. So I sent the numerology book with the script and I was picked up four days later. Mm. And that was just amazing because they read that script and said, I think it has some possibility. <laughs> so off we went and that's where it started. And I signed the contract on February 10th. That's fantastic. Again, this one's called Ransom of the Golden Egg. It's by Kathy Berry. Published by Newman Springs Publishing, you can find this everywhere on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Kathy, thank you again for coming on the show with me tonight. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Well, I enjoyed it as well, and thank you. Panda Loves tells a warm story that will make you smile. It's the new book by Brantley Oy, who's joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show, Brant. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Corey. Can you tell me what your book Panda Loves is all about? Well, it's about my four-year-old corgi named Panda and all the things he loves to do. It tells the reader a little bit about our family, his best friend Cosmo, and all the things that Panda loves to do. And Panda's a real dog. I know Panda has a heart for helping others. He's a therapy dog, correct? Correct. Yeah, we get a chance to, not this year since... COVID in 2020, we haven't had a chance to visit hospitals, but mm. we get a chance to visit hospitals and the kids can meet Panda and we leave the book with them so they can enjoy it. It's kind of a cool way of giving back. Absolutely. Was there a specific age range of children that you had in mind? You know, when I wrote the book, I didn't really have anything in mind. You know, this is my first book. I have mm. never written a children's book before, but what I found that by giving it out to the kids, the age range probably around two to five, sometimes a little older because the book rhymes. Sometimes as toddlers, they can get like a rhythm of a song. So it's funny. My brother has a four-year-old and he says she's, she doesn't know how to read, but she can read your book. Hmm. <laughs> that's the funniest thing when they're reading your book and making up the words. Oh, that's fantastic. About how long were you working on this one? Like I said, I've never written a book before. I'm a realtor by trade. I started writing, and it took me about six months to get the book where I felt good about it. And it's only a 28-page book, so, <laughs> but it took me a long time because I kept rewriting and rewriting it. My wife is a librarian, so everything I did, I bounced it off of her. And so she kept going, no, that doesn't sound good. No, that doesn't sound good. So it took me about six to eight months to write the book. Now, it sounds like Panda has an awful lot of stories to tell. Are you thinking about writing another? Yeah, the second book we'd be coming out this year called Panda Loves the Holidays, and it takes you through 12 holidays and what Panda loves to do on those 12 holidays. And then the third book is Panda Loves America, and it takes you through certain cities that he likes to visit. Wow, we're looking forward to those. Now, being that this was your first book, your first time getting published, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to take that same journey? I would say give yourself more time than you expect. You know, don't have any expectations on how long it's going to take. I'm a realtor and I work in 30-day increments. And so if something doesn't happen in 30 days, I get very frustrated and I get like, you know, what's going on here? You know, this thing needs to get moving. And I realized 
I was not in control and I had to drop my expectations and give myself a little, and, and the product that came out was exactly what I envisioned. I would say, give yourself a little bit more time than you expect. When I first wrote my letter to the publishers, I said, I want to do this book on this day and six months, I want to do another one. And then I want to do another one. And it took me a long time to get the first one out. So give yourself more time than you expect or have no expectation on the timetable. As long as you're moving forward, you're going to be doing okay. That's good advice. I think it's wonderful that you've written this story and, and released it for the world. And we're certainly looking forward to more of Panda's adventures. This book is called Panda Loves. It's by Brantley Oi, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can find it everywhere you shop for books, on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Brant, thanks again for coming on the show. It was great meeting you and great finding out about Panda and the book. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you know what I always say, Panda loves you. Author Kathy Khalifa celebrates the similarities and differences between cultures in her new book, A Visit with Two Grandmothers. I'm happy to be talking with Kathy here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for joining me tonight, Kathy. Oh, it's my pleasure. Can you tell me about A Visit with Two Grandmothers? Yes, it's a book about, my husband is from Egypt and I'm obviously from America, so we have a lot of differences in our customs, but it's very interesting to see how similar but yet different they are. So I wanted to show that in a children's book. Have you written children's literature before? I haven't, but I was a teacher in New York City for 25 years and I read plenty of it. Mm. So this was something I've been had in the works for a long time and I'm glad I finally got to do it. <laughs> but how long were you working on it? 30 years. What happened is I wrote the book when my daughter was five. She's now 35. And it's taken me this long to finally get it published and get it out there and, and show other people what it's all about. What inspired you at this point in time to bring it up and publish it? Well, I'm retired now, and I got to go to Hawaii last year and meet my first granddaughter, which is Donya's little girl. And so that, like, I have to get this book done now for, for <laughs> Ella, if nobody else. So I did. Oh, that's wonderful. What sort of age range do you think would be the best for this book? It can actually be for any age. I would say first through fourth or kindergarten through fourth. But it, it's a kind of timely thing that anybody in any age can understand and enjoy. What was it like working with an illustrator doing the illustrations, being that they're so important in a children's book? It was good. I, I had a lot of input, which was great. And I could say, no, I don't think that works that well, or this needs something more. And they would tweak it with no problem. So it was really not bad at all. I really enjoyed it. Are you thinking of maybe doing another one, hopefully before another 30 years? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I have a second one in the works right now. I have three children, and so I'm doing one book for each of the children. So the second one is about my son. He's the middle child, and he's going to be celebrating Ramadan and the differences of what it's like to celebrate in Egypt and to celebrate in the United States. It's a very different deal. So that's going to be his book. So that's, I'm ready to, to send it in to get it started. What advice would you have for aspiring authors, somebody who's looking to get their first one out there, get published? Just do it. I'm sorry I waited as long as I did. If I had just put money aside and I could have, you know, got started sooner, that would have been better. 
So if you if you have something in your mind, and there's so many good books out there, I, I go to the bookstore, the library, wherever, and I just see so many. So if you have it in you, just go for it. Would you consider maybe exploring another sort of genre when it comes to writing in the future? Yes, actually, I have a second, another book that I'm working on. It's a youth science fiction, hmm. and it's about a, a group that moved from another planet and came here, and it's called Fleck. So I am working on that too. So it's 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 a for young adults, and that should be kind of interesting. It's a chapter book. That's wonderful. Well, Kathy, thank you for helping to celebrate again the similarities and differences between two cultures that are so different. And bringing that up to children, I think it's fantastic. I encourage our listeners to check this out. It's called A Visit with Two Grandmothers by Kathy Khalifa. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Kathy, thanks again for stopping by the show here tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. In Case You Didn't Know is an exciting new novel by Christopher J. Parker, Jr. You can find it in stores now. I'm joined by the author right now. Christopher, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Corey. I appreciate you having me today. So congratulations on In Case You Didn't Know. Can you tell us what it's about? The book really begins with a lot of certainty. The lead character, Michael Cohen Gallagher, or MC to his friends, knows that his destiny is to be an artist in New York. And he knows that after graduation, he'll be on his way to a really prestigious school in in Manhattan. This really not only ensures his kind of ticket out of the town that unfortunately, you know, he's kind of come to uh, resent, but as MC sees it, it's really the only path to kind of become the person he envisions. Fortunately, one day after school, he's sat down by his parents for kind of an equally, I guess, surreal and and, and painful discussions that I think millions of children, including myself or or others, have experienced. And uh, unfortunately, MC's life kind of quickly tailspins. He has to really struggle with not only the loss of his family, but his parents' separation kind of starts to really compromise his dreams. Other aspects of his life, including his friendships, are, are also tested. So The story really follows MC's struggles kind of with his identity and happiness against forces beyond his control. And I think through his journey of discovery, readers can hopefully gain new perspectives on their own experiences or life's purpose. How much of your own experiences went into this book when it came to coming up with the idea and the story? Yeah, so I, I think a lot. I mean, as I alluded to, really over, I think one million, I think it's like one million children experience the divorce of their parents mm. each year, and you know, myself included. And despite the tremendous size of this demographic, I, I, I kind of found that the genre really was devoid of, of works that address this issue in mm. a really a normalizing and kind of approachable way. So I wrote, in case you didn't know, to, to really fill this gap. So as I said, my parents divorced when I was 16. So I drew upon this experience as well as others from my early teenage years in pursuit of this goal and hopefully, you know, make it more approachable and grounded for the readers. Now, publishing a book for the first time is often a very eye-opening situation for a lot of people. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Do you have any advice for someone who's looking to take that step for the first time? Yeah, 100%. And I mean, honestly, a, a weird story that you know I recall immediately before starting this book, the film adaptation of A Perks of Being a Wallflower was uh, being released. And uh, living in Pittsburgh, the author is from Pittsburgh. So we went to the 
premiere showing and the author actually attended the showing. And before the movie started, he gave a little bit of, you know, took some questions. And basically one of the members of the audience asked the same question as you did. And I would give the same advice. And, you know, he was asked, you know, what, what do you have for young authors who want to get started? And he said, the only difference between those sitting in the audience and himself was that he just sat down and, and tried it. And that's kind of the advice I have for anyone trying to do this is just to to just sit down and try it. Don't look at it as like one huge undertaking, but just do baby steps. And after a while, you'll, you know, it'll start to develop and take shape and become less um, daunting of a task. So I, my advice is just as his was just, if I can do it, anyone can do it and just sit down and, and, and just, and just try. This is called In Case You Didn't Know by Christopher J. Parker Jr. It's published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you buy your books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Christopher, thank you again for joining me here today. had a nice time chatting. Yeah, thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate talking with you as well. Author Terry Beavers asked the question, Does God still speak to his children? In her new book, He Still Speaks in Parables and Revelation. I'm happy to be joined by Terry right now. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you for being here with me tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me what your book, He Still Speaks in Parables and Revelation, what it's all about? Well, it's composed of short stories about different lessons that I received from God as I would take walks in the morning or even doing dishes in the through the day, at night, just whatever. I would open up my heart to hear what he had to say. Over how long of a time period did you collect these? Well, actually, I've actually done this from as far back as I can remember. I just write my thoughts on notebook pages, and I actually just took all these writings together and put them together in a book form. What inspired you to put them in book form and then get them published? Well, I've always been one to write my thoughts down, and my family was always telling me I should I should make a book, I should make a book. And then one day I just decided to put them all together and, and send my manuscript to see what happens. And is this your first book then? It is, yes. Congratulations. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. How does it feel to have a book out there? You're officially an author now. Yeah, it really feels good. I'm grateful, I'm thankful, and I feel accomplished. Are you thinking of maybe writing more and getting another book published? Well, um, actually, I've got three more that's been approved. Oh, wow. Yeah, the second one's being worked on right now. And what I'm trying, I'm trying to make this first book a five series. I'm working on the fifth one right now in hopes that it will be accepted also. So do you have any advice now for first-time authors? You know, you've just taken that journey for the first time. You've discovered the editing process and the publishing process, how that goes. Do you have any advice now for somebody who's going to take that same step? Oh, I mean, I would just tell them to write and I'd say send your manuscript in because you never know. How difficult was it for you to take what you've written, all the notes, and get them ready to be published? Was there a lot of grammatical things, a lot of editing that needed to be done? It wasn't really really that hard at being that I, you know, I've always done this most of my life. As for the editing, I would do the best I could, but knowing, you know, having faith in the editors, you know, the professionals that they could take care of what I missed. Did you have a target readership in mind when you wrote it? Not really, just 
I wanted to share that people, so that people would know that God can personally talk to them in his way and their way, that, that he is talking all the time, that we just got to take the time to settle down and to hear him. Hmm. Could you name a person in your life that's been most inspirational or most supportive of you during your writing journey? It's kind of hard to name one person, but my husband and my daughter and my son, they always was encouraging me to write, you know, to get my, to write a book, to send it in. They always felt that it would be accepted. And so one day I just decided to take their advice. I put those writings together and I sent my manuscript. So it would be my family. Hmm. Have you ever sat down and then had trouble coming up with something to write? And then how did you maybe get ideas or get inspired to get those words going? It seems to come natural to me. I, I'll read God's word and I'll pray and then I'm, I'm quiet and I just let, I let the words come to me. So it's, it's not difficult. Now, if I was to sit and try to come up with something, it's a little harder to try to think it. I just let it come. Well, this sounds like a book that I think a lot of people will get a lot from. It's called He Still Speaks in Parables and Revelation by Terry Beavers. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you shop for books, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Terry, thanks for coming by the show tonight. I had a nice time chatting. Yeah, thank you. I did too. American Robot, a cultural chameleon rises above race and religious trauma, is the new book by Aaron Anthony Vesup. He's here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Corey. Glad to talk to you. Now, American Robot sounds really interesting. Can you tell me all about it? Yes. It basically is about the clash of social realities, uh, extremism, fanatical, pimps for Christ, and what happens when a person becomes mentally conditioned. You end up having mental health problems, being on the fringe, and how I became a clone, actually. The book was entitled American Bigot about myself, but I changed that to robot because that is what I became until I was able to break out of that mold. How did you get the idea to write this? Well, actually, I had seen many things happen within my family and as traveling across the country as an educator in Illinois, Nebraska, Indiana, uh, from California, I realized that there were certain tendencies and trends. Life in the trenches as a social activist caused me to start taking a second look at what I had become and what I was becoming. About how long were you working on writing it? Actually, all my life. <laughs> but... Physically speaking, in about eight years, about eight years, my target audience is uh, those who are interested in activism and those who are also interested in physical abuse and psychological abuse and how that impacts one so that you can avoid being, uh, as they say, dead, insane, or in prison, which I have seen happen. Definitely an important message. Have you written before? Is this the first time you've been published? Yes, I have written before. In fact, my first publication was in 1972 in a book called Urban Communication Survival in the City. I did a chapter in this book when I was in Illinois doing human relations work. Later on, it became a required text at one college. After that, I've written other books, cultural books, bilingual, Spanish and English, English and Chinese, and five poetry chapbooks. So American Robot is something that is an outgrowth of my experiences traveling around the world. I've been to over 35 different countries and have had some fantastic experiences. 
Now, being you've been writing for so long, it's probably hard to just stop. Do you have any new ideas, anything on the horizon that you're working on? Yes, I'm working on now an espionage novel because I have favorite writers that I enjoy, like Grisham, Angelou, Baldwin, King. But I love also, besides the mysteries and historic and cultural and criminal law, I love biographies. And after reading many of these over the years, I really have been motivated to try to do more fiction instead of the real nitty-gritty stuff. Like I said, you're a veteran writer. What advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out and wants to finish their first book or get their first one out there? I think it's important that you do a, a log, keep a log of turning events, special events. Because, for example, American Robot has many turning points that I couldn't get away from. One day, one of my brothers jumped out of a moving vehicle at my dad's order, or, or the worst birthday ever that I've seen, or witnessing my parents being harassed by police, and then witnessing uh, actually having two of my siblings commit suicide and, and others become institutionalized. I would say uh, keep a, a log and a record of things that are important to you. And when you can't sleep, get up right. Get up and write. Read. Do a lot of reading. Mm. And in fact, I'm happy that American Robot was picked up by Fulton Books. And so I feel privileged to be in that group. Absolutely. Thank you for putting your message out there. This is American Robot, a cultural chameleon rises above race and religious trauma by Aaron Anthony Vesup. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it everywhere you buy your books, on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, Aaron, thanks again for coming on the show here tonight. I had a real nice time chatting with you. Thank you, Corey, and glad to it. And I hope everybody enjoys the mysteries that are coming in this particular read. Author Tilly Lane takes a humorous look at living your ideal life. In her new book that's in stores now, it's titled, Ideal life versus real life. Real life isn't for sissies. Tilly is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for joining me tonight, Tilly. Thank you for having me, Corey. This sounds like a really fun book. Can you tell me what it's all about? Basically, I just started thinking about life in general, and as we roll through it, things that seemed stressful or catastrophic and actually ended up being quite funny when you looked backwards on it. And then some of the stories are just out and out hilarious things that happened. So I just decided to put a little book together, give everybody a good belly laugh. I think we could all use that about now. We could definitely all use that. That's for sure. This is a great perspective. Now, have you written before or is this your first time? Actually, when I decided to start writing, I, I started in a different genre and started working on what ended up being a series because it was very long winded. But this, I shifted my gears on this and went with this one and literally took me, I don't know, a couple, three weeks to just pound it all out. And then obviously a lot longer to fine tune it. But yeah, I just started thinking about all the things that people stress over. And I'm in a couple of groups of wives for truckers. And I noticed all the things they really stressed out over. And it's really things you don't need to stress out over in life. And if you look back on it later, you'll realize that. Do you have any advice now for somebody that looking to publish their first book? Oh, gosh. Do not give up hmm. if you have a dream to do it. Obviously, I'm a late bloomer. I'm in my 50s. But it's a brutal business, and you need to grow some thick skin because you'll get a lot of no's, and you'll get a lot of critiques, and you take those and grow from those. And 
just remember it only takes one yes and then you're on your way. So don't give up. Often when you're writing a book, you have that ideal sort of reader in your mind, the kind of person that you're looking to reach. Did you have a target readership in mind? You know, because the stories are from when I was a young person, a young married person, a very young mother, all the way through every age group and, you know, all the way up until, I guess, present day, I really felt like I could reach anybody at any age group and they could relate to one story or another, male or female. So I wasn't really targeting anyone. I I just know that anyone that reads this will be able to pick it up and relate at some point during my life. So is there such thing as an ideal life? I know for me, I've looked around at other people and gone, wow, they really, you know, their life is together. They have the ideal life. They seem happy and joyous all the time. But I know for a fact that every single person goes through those real life moments and those real life times. So I think we're all striving for an ideal life. But really, if you embrace your real life, it becomes your ideal life then. That's great advice. So are you going to keep writing? Do you have something going on right now? I do. I'm writing, like I said, it's a different genre. It's kind of a women's contemporary romance It started out as one book and then it ended up in the next book. But also because of the feedback that I've gotten from this book, I have started jotting down notes in my crazy notebooks about possibly writing some more stories. The the stories seem to keep coming and my memory keeps coming up with other things that I think would be beneficial. So it's very possible that I'll write another one similar to this one. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this out. This is Ideal Life versus Real Life. Real Life Isn't for Sissies by Tilly Lane. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Tilly, thanks for coming by the show here tonight. I had a really nice time talking. Thank you for having me, Corey. Me too. It was fun. Author Gabriel J. Rivera tackles stereotypes in his new book, How to Get Women and Maybe Keep One. I'd like to welcome Gabriel to the show right now. Thank you for joining me tonight, Gabriel. Hi, hi. Hello. Good morning. Congratulations on your new book, How to Get Women and Maybe Keep One. Now, I'm sure interested in this. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, I wrote a book because I'm seeing a lot of problems in relationships, especially coming from men. So most of the problems, there are relationships because men are not, I can say, not men enough. I've been seeing the problems in society, stereotypes, and other things, other problems too, that causes that, mostly insecurity on men, like how men is supposed to be, how men should be. Those things are actually wrong. I get discovered that was how I was growing up. Most of the mistakes that men commit is because they, they live in that stereotype mind. They make those mistakes because of it. And their life, work, relationships, even them, don't work, doesn't work because of that kind of stereotype. So how did the idea for this book come about? How did you go about writing it? I've seen mostly seen a lot of friends, family members, people I know all my life making those mistakes. I've been observing since I was a kid. My grandfather had a grocery store that I used to attend. I used to see like how people think. And when social media came out, I saw more and, and what the problem was. I kept reading a lot of, of articles. I've seen videos of psychologists saying how to be a better person. When I started practicing those things, everything was better in my life. Mm. 
So I just want to share that experience in my book, how I did it, and it might work for you. That's why I want to put it in the book. That's why I did the book. I've given these same advices to most of my friends and people I know. The ones who are actually follow, it worked for them. Mm-hmm. Even they came back to me and say, thank you for your advice. It actually worked. So when that happened, I just said, man, people should know more about this stuff. And the only way I could do that, it was like writing a book will be a first step. It's great. When you firsthand see that your book is helping other people, it makes all the hard work worth it. Exactly. Because writing a book is certainly a lot of hard work. Did you find anything surprising about the writing process and the publishing process, getting it ready to put out there for the world? Surprising, yes. Especially the time, the concentration you have to put in it. It's not as easy as it sounds. Like you want to say so much stuff. And at the same time, you don't know how to put it in paper. The process of publishing, I think I already had an idea. I have other friends that they are poets and they publish all the time. Like they write books all the time. So they kind of put it in the social media how the process is going. So I already have a, had an idea how, how that worked. But the, the process of writing a book, it took so much time. Mm. Like I had to spend, no, not have to spend. I wanted to spend that time because yeah. I did it while lockdown, you know, while COVID lockdown. So I had extra time. Mm. But sometimes I, w- I was a whole day writing. Have you learned anything that you could pass along to aspiring writers? Aspiring writers, yeah, write your heart in it. If you want to write any kind of book, just take the time. If you want to write it, just do it. Don't waste time. If you have the time, use that time if you have extra time and put your heart in it. Well, best of luck to you and what you got coming up next. This book is How to Get Women and Maybe Keep One by Gabriel J. Rivera. It's published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Gabriel, thanks for coming by the show here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks for your time. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 